from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. Tuesday, December 17th, 2019. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast again. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee, and just down the way in Orlando, Florida, keeping things on the rails, making sure we don't veer off a bridge and into the river, our illustrious producer, Chandler Strang. Hello. Out there in Loveland, Virginia, city of love, as the the ancients called it, first founded (laughs) by John Love. Fresh off, fresh, fresh off the Mayflower is our friend Jesse Carey. Hello, hello, and thank you for that fake history lesson uh, from Virginia Beach. <laughs> I found uh, it. On, I've, oh, I've, I studied. I did a little bit of research. Once again, that, that's fair enough because once again, uh, uh, I live in the state, and I've said this many times with the creepiest state slogan of all time: "Virginia's for lovers." Very creepy. Very, very creepy. But not as antagonistic as our uh, our our guest co-host today. Oh, that's true because we do have a special guest co-host. We always love welcome back, welcoming back our friend. Jamie Ivy to the podcast. Don't hey, mess Jamie. with. Don't mess with. Don't mess, don't with, mess Texas. with Texas, guys. Don't mess with Texas. I'm here in Austin, and we do not want you to mess with Texas. Glad to be back. Thanks, guys. If you were thinking of messing with Texas, listeners, get out of the way. Don't mess. They've, we're they've, stop, they've we're preempted stop you right there. They've preempted your desire to mess with Texas by telling you not to that's, mess that's with Texas. That's why I like us Texans to come up with the slogan that's like, "Hey, don't mess with us." Because we will come and get you. We will take you down. I, I, I Austin, I was watching uh, College Game Day this weekend, and Austin was hopping. He had Matthew McConaughey just running around doing who knows what. They said he's a professor at 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 at, at, at the college there, and I, I have no idea what he's doing. He seems like a maniac, but I love him. Have you had any encounters, uh, Jamie? No, I wish that I would have an encounter with Matthew McConaughey. They say that he is the professor of culture. No. Yeah, I think that's what they say that he is. But he actually is teaching classes on campus, which I don't think that's a new thing. I think he's been doing that. But yeah, he's like our he is our hype man. Like he is the hype man for the that's University true. of Texas and we need some hype. So That's true. What what do you think you may not know, but but what do you speculate Matthew McConaughey's classes are on? What what is he how is what is he bringing up the next generation in? I hope he's teaching them how to like when he does those Lincoln commercials, you know how you're not really sure like what's he thinking about? I <laughs> hope he's like explaining how to make that face to them because th- he's made so much money doing that. I'm just like, he's got to pass that on to the next generation. The Lincoln commercial yeah. for the win. Yeah, I, I, I love those because he's just, I mean, he appears to just be rambling and, and assuming we know the references he's making. Like mm-hmm. there's a bull in the middle of the road and he's like... Oh, it's old Franco. Franco doesn't move. And that's the commercial. And it's like, are we supposed to know this bull? Is this like a myth? No, no, no. This is just the rantings. I, I think I have a theory that he's wrote all of those commercials. Yeah, too. I think that so. He just they, like he just showed up on set and they're like, well, what are we doing here, Matthew? And he's like, well, I'll be the Lincoln. Now I need you to find a giant bull and just stand him in the middle of an old road. Got it. All right. Fired up. You know, day one, I, day I one, they hand the script. He takes a look at it. He's like, what is this? 
<laughs> Matthew McConaughey would never say anything like this. Just turn on the cameras. I'll go. I'll do it. Just I let me. Just so much just better let me than talk. this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like wait this this script here says I'm talking about the features, the safety features, the luxury, the gas mileage. No, no, no. I'm going to ramble incoherently about philosophy and old bulls. I am Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> you know, I, I would take. His I know. Clock. I uh, have. I mean, he lives here in Austin. I've never seen him, but there's a lot of people that live here. But I was doing an interview the other day and I put up on my Instagram stories that it was a man lives in Austin, athlete, and everybody loves him or something. And I had several people think that I was actually interviewing Matthew McConaughey. I was like, if you have a connection to get Matthew McConaughey, but no, it wasn't him. I have a theory that if you were able to just like get in touch with him, I think he would be a hard yes immediately. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. He seems like the guy that's always down to but talk. I, I, you know? I mean, hey, listen, if this can happen in 2020, I'm a hard yes. I'm ready for this as well. But I just don't know if Matthew McConaughey would. He doesn't need the the happy hour. Jamie Ivy, you know, he's he's got he, Lincoln. Hey, listen, he might not, quote unquote, need it. But if I, I think I think I think he's like like I heard like Bill Murray doesn't have an agent. And if you figure out how to call him and get in touch with him, then he might do Is your that project. Like, that's how Bill Murray operates. That's what I've heard. I heard. Yeah, have you heard I have the same also thing? heard that GQ wrote about it when they profiled him a few years ago. They, there was nobody to go through. His voicemail box is full. Uh, so they had to wait until they actually met a friend of his, I think, and said, yeah. can you ask Bill if he would be up the cover of our magazine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's and hilarious. that's how I picture. I picture if you got Matthew McConaughey's number, you would text him like, hey, you want to be on the happy hour? <laughs> he wouldn't even ask. He would ask no question. He would be like, all right, all right, all right. All right and then he'd right, be like, all right, right. I'll set it up. I'm calling now. And he would just do it. And Jamie, my, my strong suspicion is that Matthew McConaughey is not in a place to turn down an invitation from a woman who was recently on the cover of Austin Woman magazine. Look yeah. at you, Tyler. Yes, I was. He might even know who I am now. I mean, hello. You know, him and Camila probably sit around reading Austin Women at night before they go to bed. And there I am. Bam. Are, are you staring at him from the from like the every supermarket stand in Austin, Texas? Yeah, right now? exactly. That's not yeah, implausible. I mean, he, he's, we, we basically know each other now. So how did that happen? How did that, did they reach out to you? They did. Okay. So it's a local Austin magazine here. It's called Austin woman and it's a great magazine. And, um, I've always kind of had this secret kind of, you know, it feels weird to say out loud, like, you know what my dream is guys. I want to be on the cover of a magazine that just feels weird. So I just kind of keep that tucked into my heart. And they sent me an email, I think in September and I got the email in my house. I screamed out loud. I was so excited. And there it was. And it was a great article. I was really proud of the girl who did it. And it was fun. Were you intimidated at all? Because, we, you know, obviously Tyler and I have been in the, the magazine business uh, uh, for a long time. And like, you know, whenever there's like a cover shoot, there's so much that goes into it. And like, I always feel this deep empathy for the subject of a magazine cover shoot, because like you said, it's something one, a lot of people are going to see. And two, you're going to keep it for the rest of your life. It's a very high stakes photo. Were you yes. nervous about the actual photo shoot? Well, you know, I didn't know this and this is your, your business that you guys do. I so I did the photo shoot and did the interview. I had no idea what they were picking for the cover. I had no idea yeah. what the article was going to say until I had it in my hands. And I think that was the most anxious thing for me is you yeah. sit and talk to someone for two and a half hours. And then I asked her, can I read it before it goes out? She's like, no, that's not what we do in journalism. I was like, oh, like you're <laughs> just going to write it and then I have to see it. And so that was yeah. anxious for me. Yeah, well, that, and that is that is protocol, because I think anyone early in their career who's made the mistake 
of of showing the subject, the piece or the photos before they're published. It's it never it never goes well because they inevitably they'll want even if it's like, you know, a great piece, you, you know, it's it, they'll want something tweet here or something there. And and usually my profiles on any celebrity I've interviewed, it's basically a takedown. And uh, I just, you know, uh, I, I don't want them reading it. I, I make sure they can't contact me after I feel physically in danger, you know, from John Legend's people. I'm still nervous. He's going to reach out about that one. You know, no, but I always do. I have like this, especially for the photo shoot like that, man, that's got to be. But it came it's out so incredible. Hard. You got to be really proud of it. I'm very proud of it. I'm now wondering, Jamie, are you going to get a frame? first time? That's the question. It, well, I, this is the question. It's my first time on a magazine cover, right? Um, like yeah. legit. Like I think I was on a magazine, but I don't know what it's called. And I sent them my own photo. Like that doesn't even count. This was my first like magazine cover. And I'm wondering, do I get it framed and put it up in my office? Or is that like a little like weird? No, you got to frame that. I thing. would do you it. You got to frame it. I would. Yeah. If I was on yeah. the cover of Austin Woman magazine, you, I would tell everybody <laughs> I, I would hand out cut little po- postcards of it at the door as guests came in. Well, I might be doing that as well. So it's everyone's getting it in their Christmas gift. I'm like, hey, mom and dad, look at this. I'm on the cover of a magazine. <laughs> Yeah, top this. Yeah, <laughs> tell everyone else in your family. Top this. I'm on a magazine. Merry Christmas, everyone. You know, free Merry Christmas. Or I could frame it and give it to my parents. They would actually die over that and love it. They'd be so proud. They would hang that in their room. The more buildings you hang it in, a framed picture around Austin of that <laughs> issue, the higher likelihood Matthew McConaughey is going to see it and reach out. So here's here's <laughs> I, I have a dream, Jamie. I always want to go to those restaurants that have like tchotchkes up, like you know they got like an old fly fishing rod, some skis. Yes. Uh, you know, like pictures of like random high school sports teams. You know what I'm talking about? Like like a Binnigan's yes. or an Applebee's or Ruby Tuesday or something. And just like put things up on the wall or like, you know, just sign a baseball with my name and like dust it up a little and like put it on a mantle and just see how much stuff I can put on their walls without them noticing. I think you could slip a, a framed copy of Austin Woman magazine with you on the cover in one of those restaurants without them knowing. And no one would even a, know. Yeah, no one would know. And McConaughey might just stumble on it one day when he's, you know, he's been uh, he's been, you know, th- teaching at at, at at the college all day. <laughs> Texas, and he walks over yeah. for for some sliders at TGI Fridays. <laughs> and who's looking at back at him? Jamie Ivey on the cover of magazine. Right Jamie Ivey on the cover. I know if yeah. I would have thought through this better, guys, maybe I would have asked her if she could ask me like dream guests that live in Austin and I would have thrown McConaughey in there in a heartbeat. And then you know, word would have got around. We'll see. That's, that's right. It's small community. And, and Jamie, you have you have a very busy year. I got an email from you. Uh, uh, I think it was over the weekend. Uh, it might have been this morning, actually, about a very I think cool. I was up late on some Saturday night, you know, yeah. working like I should have been sleeping or something. Well, uh, I mean, I don't blame you because you have a busy year coming up. You are getting ready. In addition to the happy hour, you're getting ready to launch a very cool podcast. Now, we talked before the show. I don't know how much you're willing to give away. Like insiders like me know all the details uh, and are very excited about it. I don't even know all the details. Yeah, Tyler doesn't even know. He was I I made sure that he was I I hacked his email and I deleted it because I didn't want him to know. Persona around the Jamie Ivey podcast network. (laughs) But uh, it sounds really cool. Tell us a little bit about uh, about what you have coming up in 2020. Yeah. So, you know, I had the happy hour. It's five and a half years. You kind of go, what are we going to do next? Like, do we just keep making shows, which we are going to keep making shows for the happy hour. But there are a couple of a couple of kind of stipulations that I made about the happy hour forever ago. One, I only interview women and two, it's faith based, which 
I am a Christian. That's fine. Yeah. But there's so many other people I'd love to interview. And so my husband and I are creating a new show called On the Other Side. And we're doing it together. And we're going to interview people who are on the other side of something. So we've interviewed somebody on the other side of war. We're interviewing someone on the other side of fill in the blank of their reality TV show. I won't tell you right now. You'll have to listen next year to find out. But that's going to be in there. Or, you know, on the other side of dating after divorce or on the other side of switching careers, stuff like that. So I don't want to talk about necessarily what happened, but what does it look like on the other side of that? So, Jesse, Tyler. If I were to pitch you for the show, what would it be? On the other side of Juvie. I <laughs> spent some time in Juvie. See, that would be Man. so great. I'm just kidding. I didn't go to Juvie. Uh, I, I don't know. On the other side of uh, I once listened to Nickelback for a week straight and got and, and was a weird subject of a lot of weird viral stories. I was on the other side of that. Um I am on the other side. You're, oh, you're man. on the right track. I, I'm trying to think of anything like, fun. Like, I, this I, is if we were the subject, Jane. Like if you invited us yeah, on. Yeah, like if I were interviewing you. Okay, all right. All right. I don't yeah. know. You know, that I is really difficult. haven't changed much since I was about nine years old. So because I and I, I feel like you set the bar pretty high. These people who who've been to war, who yeah, have yeah, been on reality no, TV shows, like there could be like an Olympian or something on there. I don't know. I don't know that the, the bar is very high for, for, for people like me and Tyler, you know. But, but the point is, we just want to get regular people who have stories to tell. They've been through something awesome, something hard, something tragic, something triumphant, something just as small as on the other side of flipping houses. I don't know. I'm just throwing things uh-huh, out there uh-huh. and here. What does life look like on the other side of that? So it launches the end of February and we're super excited. Oh, I about can't it. wait. That's, that's yeah, really cool. That's awesome. Hey, uh, do you already have a couple in the can? couple in the can. Yes. Nice. Nice. And, and you're pleased with you're pleased with how they've come out. Like that's always fun when you get a couple, you know, in your back pocket, you're like, oh, this is actually going to be cool. I am pleased with it. The one I'm really like trying to pull through is I'd love to get on the other side of making a Lincoln commercial. And if we can get on a hand, it would just seal the deal. Yeah. There's, one, there's yeah, only and, one guy for that. Yeah. And, and I don't, you know, honestly, I don't know that he's ever come back out on the other side. I think <laughs> yeah. he did it. And I think he's stuck there. I think he's Lincoln. I think he's weird Lincoln guy now, but I, I you know, we'll make an exception for him. Because I'm not, not sure. On I'm not sure Matt McConaughey even really experienced his time in like a linear sense. Like we do. He <laughs> may not circle. ever be it's a, a it's a flat circle. circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're doing, and we're excited about it. That's awesome. Well, well, yeah. I guess I guess the best way to stay updated about it is we'll, we'll you know people follow you on on Instagram, right? That's where you'll kind of follow tell me them. on the old Instagram. I think that's the best place. Yeah, yeah. cool on the gram. Cool. Yeah, and we'll be and we'll, we'll be updating yeah, people thanks, obviously here on the podcast as your stuff comes out because I'm really excited about it. that's a great that's a just a great pitch too, Jamie. It's an easy elevator pitch. That is, and and, and we have we have a segment coming up. Uh, uh, Lecrae is now on the other side of something. Well, he played a a terrible game with us. A goofy <laughs> Christmas game that he was a very good sport about. But he did it was, a great it job. Was, he did a great. He job. did a great. It was a great yep. job. But we subjected yep. him to some really dumb questions, yep. and uh-huh. he played along. He's on the other side of that. So, Jamie, if you want to talk, Lecrae's been on this podcast a number of times. He's on the other side, and I think every time he's like, "That's the last one." That was, that was the, <laughs> on the other side of being on the relevant podcast with Lecrae. I love it. That's perfect. Me yeah. and Lecrae do face off against each other in a Christmas game coming up later on on this podcast. We also talked to him about the new Christmas album that he is a part of from 116. Got a lot of cool... We're even going to hear a few songs from that album later on if you manage to stick around. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, Slices.
listening to Silent Night by Crystal Nicole. That's from the album we're going to be talking about with Lecrae a little bit later on in the podcast. At the beginning of this podcast, you heard Blinding Light by The Weeknd. That is not on the Christmas album from Lecrae, but it's still a good song. And Blinding Light had kind of a festive name, so we we allowed it. We snuck it in. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's time for a couple of our look at the news items that caught me and Jesse's attention this week. It's time for Slices. Jesse, what do you got? All right. I, I have two stories I wanted to talk to you guys about, and I want your, both of your opinions on them because okay. I have very strong opinions about both of these stories. One is a story that comes to us from the uh, 2020 presidential campaign trail. Um, it oh, was, this and this is, and I'm not going to get political here. I mean, I don't care if you guys get political, but that, 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 that's uh, kind of beside the point of this particular um, news item. A video went viral and caused um, some backlash against the, the, the recent candidate to, to enter the presidential race, uh, the former mayor of New York, uh, billionaire Mike Bloomberg, uh-huh. the, the video purported to show, and I will read the, uh, uh, the exact tweet. It said, look out, hashtag Team Pete, referring to Pete Buttigieg, yeah. the, the, uh, the, another one of the, the Democratic candidates, because us Bloomberg heads have our own <laughs> dance taken at the Mike Bloomberg rally in Beverly Hills. And it was from a Twitter account by someone who identified himself as a communication intern with the Bloomberg campaign. Now, the video which you can watch over uh, at relevantmagazine.com, shows a room full of people enthusiastically doing a choreographed dance to the Maroon 5 song, Moves Like Jagger. But it's a very corny dance. There's a lot of hand motions. There's not a lot of dancing. It's mostly hand motions. And when, when the chorus says... Move, move. That's pretty good. Actually, Chandler did not put that in. I did it later in the podcast. I do, Jamie. I do a Michael McDonald impression, and uh, Lecrae was aghast. He was literally aghast. I think it offended him. You know that smoky. Anyway, I'll, this isn't this isn't the impressions hour. Which that's my new podcast coming to twenty twenty. I would like I, to be on the other side of impressions with Jesse Carey. Yeah, yes, yeah. There, there we it's, go. It's, it's a very shocking podcast. iTunes won't allow it. Uh, it's it's very it's very very shocking. Uh, but anyway, so every time they say moves like Jagger, someone in the background goes Bloomberg. So it's moves, moves like Bloomberg, and they're doing this cheesy dance, and it is so painful and cringy. Uh, and they're all holding Mike Bloomberg for president signs. Uh, that, that, that it went viral. Now, the video was in response to a video from some Pete Huda, Buddha Hedge supporters who did a choreographed dance to the song High Hopes by Panic at the Disco, which was also incredibly cringy. The problem is, uh, the guy who posted the, uh, Bloomberg video, uh, uh is not an, in a communications intern for the Bloomberg campaign. Uh, the video, it was not taken out of Mike Bloomberg rally. It was actually a com. It was just a group of his friends, and this guy is a comedian that shot the video just to try to mess with people, and it worked. It got picked up, and everyone was making fun of Mike Bloomberg for a video that he had nothing to do with. And I <laughs> think great. it is brilliant and hilarious, and I applaud yeah, these efforts. Good. Like the, yeah, the presidential so stuff. Like the whole the, the whole campaign just bums me out every time I read news about it. There's nothing good. It's always heavy. It's always hard. I like someone who's just throwing a monkey wrench in this by making <laughs> fake campaign videos that people actually <laughs> so buy as real. 
Uh, yeah, you know, I know I'll, I'll send a link around so both you guys can see it for yourself uh, after the show. What are your guys' thoughts about this sort of campaign meddling? Because I'm all for it. I don't care if it's Russia. I don't care if it's Ukraine. I don't care if it's just this weird comedian. I love it because it's hilarious. What do you guys think? Okay, can I give a, a quick follow-up that I observed to the story over the weekend? <laughs> Please a, do. Uh, a second part to it. So the Bloomberg campaign was forced then to release a statement and they tried to be good sports about it, right? Because the, the public opinion is already like, this is a funny <laughs> joke. So they were trying to be to like joke about it. And they said, this person, they tweet, they added him on Twitter is not a member of the Bloomberg campaign, uh, but we admire his work. And he responded to the tweet saying, wait, does this mean you're firing me? And everybody once again <laughs> got extremely upset about it. <laughs> like, Bloomberg oh, doesn't know how to treat his social media because he changed his Twitter handle to former Bloomberg <laughs> social media. <laughs> Jimmy, what do you That's think so about good. this type of campaign That's meddling? So okay, I think it's all fun and games, but it makes me nervous. Like, what's next? Like, yeah. uh, you oh, know, sure. like coming out and saying this person and making a fake video about them. So, no, I think this is hilarious and it's funny, but I'm like, oh my gosh, people could do put anything on the internet and people believe that it's true. This is so scary. And now they're even thinking that he fired his social media guy. <laughs> yeah, this guy has nothing to nothing to do with the Bloomberg yes. campaign. And yet people are thinking he's a victim of like this unjust firing. I think it's like, uh, OK, part of me, like, you know, the, the, the journalist in me is like, well, anyone who purported it real, like I, I can see it what they fell for. Pretty but it's easy to fact check this. Yeah, right? you could Google the guy's name and see he's a comedian. But I also so it's sort of like meta commentary on fake news. Like, oh, look how easy it is to fool. Right. But the other thing, it's like the the presidential campaigns have been so vitriolic and so serious. And most of these candidates are so self-serious. And I get it. Like, it's a serious job. Like, a, the president's a serious job. You should probably have serious people doing it. But I, like in, interjecting a little insanity and ridiculousness, I think it's hilarious. And I loved it. It is funny. It is funny. Now, has Saturday Night Live picked up anything about this yet, or did this happen over the weekend? This happened over the weekend, so I don't think they would have had time to react before no, Saturday. I will, wait. I will say this. They have reacted shockingly fast to, like, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you guys quicker. watched this weekend. They're getting quicker. Where they had, did you guys watch Marriage Story yet on Netflix? I, I have, yes. No. Is it a movie or what? Yeah, it's a it's a movie that stars Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson about a about a couple going through a divorce. And, uh, uh, you know, it's getting some award season buzz, but it just released like a week ago. But they did a parody of Marriage Story. That's Kellyanne Conway and her husband, uh, George. Uh, it, it, it's George Conway, I think, uh, you know, because he's always like tweeting bad stuff about the Trump administration. And she's like, you know, the spokesperson. And so they did a, par a, a Marriage Story parody of them, two, And it's like they got to move pretty fast to get this done. So I wouldn't surprise strange. me if something happened and they could turn it around, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. And I think as they get like new actors who are like, like extremely online people who are that generation kind of moves into the SNL writing world. They're aware of this stuff and away some of the more legacy actors uh, on SNL may yeah. not be. So they can be like, Hey, there's something happening with it, with TikTok uh, that we should make fun of. I just don't know how many, there's still like kind of a gulf between the people who watch SNL maybe. And that type of humor. I don't know. I don't know if the regular SNL viewers are really big on the like Twitter memes or not. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all stay up on Saturday night and watch Saturday night live? I watch it pretty regularly. My wife and I, we look forward to it. 
I don't know why. It's... I'll usually like Hulu or or YouTube the the sketches like throughout the like on Sunday, like throughout the like yeah, between football stuff. I'll watch like the the sketches that are you know kind of going viral. Are you SNL watcher, Jamie? No, I was sitting here thinking I don't remember the last time I saw it like sitting on my couch live. Oh my gosh, like I have no idea. Yeah. But if someone sends me a clip, I'll watch it. But I sure. just I don't know. I've never been a big SNL fan. I guess I'm not a I'm not a I'm not someone that stays up and watches it. Yeah, it's sort of hit or miss. That's okay. the thing. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'd rather watch. I'd rather just follow, go to their YouTube channel and watch like the highlights, like the the views that have uh, you know the videos have a lot of views because some of them are just weird and misses. You know, yeah. like it. It really is a pretty hit or miss show. Their political stuff is usually not very funny. I I don't find their yeah. their politics commentary to be all that insightful or interesting, especially when there's so much good political humor happening like on social media as the stuff yeah. is happening. Like you're seeing good jokes come out in real time. So by the time SNL gets to it five days later, it's just kind of boring and been there, yeah. done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they did a, they did a sketch uh, uh, this week. And the one that uh, people were sending me was, it's a fake Macy's commercial. Uh, and it's that's about, that was pretty funny. This one for anyone that has uh, kids, well, you don't even have to have kids to appreciate it, but it's like, uh, you know, Macy's holiday sale where you can get all your clothes that your kids will hate wearing and that they're too hot. <laughs> and it just is like shows parents struggling to like try to get a kid to wear like a horrible sweater or like a, 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 a scarf or getting gloves, like putting gloves on a, on a child is one of the hardest things in, in the world to do. You know, like no one's ever done it the first try. No one's ever taken a child's squirmy hand and put a winter glove on without getting three fingers and one like finger sleeve. And I don't even know if that's what they're called. Finger sleeves. But you get the idea. It is exactly. impossible. And at some point you're like, you know what, kid? You're fine. Just your hands are you're warm. Fine. Don't worry about mobility right now. The glove's on. Just don't worry about it. So that's a funny sketch. Okay. I want to talk about one other uh, one other news item. Uh, I watched this weekend. I revisited the Christmas classic. I watched it Saturday night. Home Alone, which is now on Disney Plus, yeah, which is, uh, you know what? It holds up. It got some laughs. I, I was still, I saw it as a kid. I loved it. You know, it's 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 a Christmas classic. So when it's I like saw three that, quarters, like like very sweet, kind of affecting, emotional Christmas, sentimental Christmas story, and then one quarter psychopathic, uh, like a, a child <laughs> sociopath. Oh yeah, am I getting ahead I'm of glad it? you brought okay. that. I brought, no, I'm glad you brought that up because before I get into the news item, I need, I need, uh, Jamie, I need your Home Alone take. Like, what yeah. is your opinion on Home Alone? I mean, I think it's funny. I remember it from a kid. We now have all of them, and usually in Chris around in December, we sit down and watch them all. You know, it's funny. Uh. But I remember, I think last year, someone brought to my attention that if you really think about it, this is the worst thing that we could show our kids. We're like, hey, <laughs> look at all this. Like, there's something wrong. What was his name in the show? Uh, Kevin. Kevin Macaulay McAllister. Culkin. Kevin. Kevin McAllister. Kevin McAllister would be sent to juvie. Kevin McAllister yeah, exactly. would be in so like they would be doing psychoanalysis on his brain if this was a real life. And yet we show it to our kids. and like, isn't this awesome? Go. Yeah, go be like it, Kevin McAllister. He's like Jigsaw from Saw. Yeah. Like literally, <laughs> it's not like like it, there's one thing about like, OK, I need to protect my house from a home invasion. OK, mm -hmm. that's fair enough. Fair enough. You're within the rights. <laughs> yeah. But he's figuring out ways to inflict maximum pain and suffering. Like, I mean, he could have called the police, you know, like he, he could <laughs> he could have called the police. Right. He could have like, I, I don't know, put you know locks on all the windows and, and double bolted the doors like. 
that that's easy. He's luring them into being like mm-hmm. horrifically burned. You know, like he, yes. he literally wants <laughs> to which those robbers seem to be impervious to, to horrible burns. So I guess it doesn't matter. But he wants to burn them. He wants to like smash their faces. He I mean, at one point, Marv gets like this is what was a little concerning to me. And I know the intention is when a, a human being gets smacked in the face with a hot iron so much so that it leaves a mark on his face the intention is the movie is to laugh but the, my children belly laughed so hard i was legitimately concerned i was legitimately concerned i know like i, I want to be like you know he could have died yes. because of that like that could have been a, a catastrophic head injury and it also opens your children up i don't have kids but I assume it opens them up to the idea like these things are all ho- common household items you don't have to go to the store to acquire any of these things. You can make your home into a lethal. Well, not nearly lethal enough because the merciful thing would have been to put the wet bandits out of commission from the gates. Instead, he tortures them like a sadist for like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I don't like yeah. to shame other parents because, listen, the list of my mistakes as a mom is so long. But can we talk about the McAllisters leaving their kids over or Kevin over yeah. and over and over again? No wonder Kevin mm. acts this way. <laughs> His parents don't even remember that they don't have him with him. It's crazy. A poor, poor, yeah, they, poor model for parents and their yes. children. Yeah, it, it, they needed child protective <laughs> services. Everyone, everyone's behavior in this movie from Kevin to the burglars to the parents. Everyone is concerning Everybody. to me to buzz. No one. Yeah, it is a very poor example. And yeah, but I mean, I still watch it and it's funny, but like, I say this, I like getting on an international flight and right when it settles in and they're like, they're now, you can now turn the, the captain turn off the, uh, fasten your seatbelt signs. Please settle in. I, I love going like this right when it's silent. Everyone it kind of takes it. I go. <laughs> <laughs> and just you know, just to see. You guys seem alone, right? Am I right? Let's turn it around, Kevin. You know. Okay. So, so the news isn't just uh, my Home Alone take. Uh, Disney Plus is actually doing a reboot of of Home Alone, um, and it's going to star Ellie Kemper, who uh, was on The Office. She she's brilliant. I think she's hilarious. Uh, and Rob and Delaney, she's that also the, the, the girl that was in the ground. What's up? Yeah, she was Kimmy yeah, Schmidt. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Super funny. Uh, uh, so it's going to star Ellie Kemper and, and Rob Delaney. And, and according to the Hollywood Reporter, here is the, the the plot. In order to save their home from financial ruin, they go to war with a kid who has stolen a priceless uh, heirloom. Okay, that's a fine plot for a movie, I guess. A couple going to war with a child, <laughs> but it has nothing to do with Home Alone. It's not Home Alone. Like. Why? Why is this? Why is it associated with Home Alone? Like the other thing too is like, was the intention to come up with like a modern take on Home Alone because they realize how messed up the original Home Alone is, or you know, like? But this one doesn't seem any better. Two grownups going to war. Their language going to war with a child. That's not right. You can't go to a war with a child. They're like. There are grown up ways to deal with whatever it is they're dealing with. Jamie, what what is your take on this? As a home alone, you're you've watched home all alone of them. You're a big fan. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about this as I feel about um um some new Christian music that comes out that is just okay. a reboot of an old worship song from two thousand and seven. And then we're gonna okay. redo it, put it mm-hmm. out. I just think just write a new song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. 
Sure. That's Make a, that's this a movie fair take. and call and to, it and call and it to respond not home alone. And to respond right now on the line, I have. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't have any. Who were you going to say you had? That is what I wanted to. <laughs> I, I, I I was going to say someone. And I was like, you know what? I probably shouldn't. Look do at that. that. I, I like that, Jesse. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> like, all those worship anybody? leaders were just. All those worship leaders were just at the White House. Okay, <laughs> I don't need. <laughs> we don't need <laughs> anybody who's got the president. They're literally here. just in the Oval Office. They have power that I don't even understand like they they, they have, they're friends with the president I, the last thing i need to do is make a joke about one of them and you know get get their followers all mad at there me. you go there you go okay okay i'll, I'll oh. move on then i'll, I'll take us away from troubling okay. waters probably, into safer safer territories oh, oh no uh, but but, but oh. jamie so you're you're anti you're anti this home alone reboot i think that if it's home alone reboot then it should be like home alone if it's not then let's call it give me back my art you know with <laughs> whatever you want to call it but it needs a new title yeah I, at least for a working title i think give me back my artwork there you Five. go thank don't, you don't don't denigrate home alone here it's a it's a it's a classic and it proved that all of america's sociopaths because we laughed hysterically exactly as a child right. you know nearly tortured two burglars to death so <laughs> at, in the name of christmas so yeah, I, I'm with you. All right, uh, Huck, you got you yeah. have an interesting study you wanted to talk about. I do. It's a, it's a it's a long study, and I w- we won't go get into all of it here. But I wanted to pull out a couple parts of it. So, Pew Research Center has put together what they call a, uh, a, a, a it's a study called the Digital Pulpit, and they did an analysis, a nationwide analysis of sermons. Uh, of archived sermons all across the country, across America, to try to find out the different ways that people preach here in America. The different no, there's a lot of interesting takes takes here. Um, we'll post a whole link over elevenmagazine.com. But I wanted to pull out a few things in particular that I found kind of interesting. The first one is the sermon length. Uh, this may not be super surprising, but it will. It, it it did intrigue me to see this on page. So the average sermon, I don't know if you looked at this, Jesse, the average sermon length across all um, denominations and traditions that includes uh, mainline Protestant, evangelical, black Protestant, Catholic. What would you guess that the average sermon length is on a Sunday? An average. Mm. You got to think about av- like, mm-hmm. This includes very was, long ones and very short ones. I, I would say 35 minutes. Oh, I was going to go higher. I was going to say 60. Yeah, I was thinking an hour just because like some go real long. So no, I, I'll say this. This sounds terrible, but let's we're it's real talk here. We're among friends. <laughs> Did any of you guys enter like a weird time warp when a sermon where time just slows for <laughs> 10 minutes where you're like, okay, okay. According to the acronym, he's on the second to last point here. So I'm looking at my watch, you know, but, but literally time just slows oh, and it's, it's like, I, this is, this is, <clears throat> there's a lot of Sundays where I'm like, this is the longest sermon I've ever heard in my life. And, it's, and it was a tight 20. It was a tight was 20, 20 minutes. And I felt, yeah. I mean, do I sound terrible for, for conceding that? Oh, I don't no, you so. don't sound terrible. We've all been there. You know, maybe you should yeah, just okay, pray a little good. bit more before you walk into church, Jesse. You know, get your heart right before you get in there. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's it's God subjecting me to this, this sort of purgatory where he just slows time for me alone. It's like I when I when I'm in the sermon, I'm like Matthew McConaughey to Lincoln. Time just moves differently. <laughs> it becomes that flat circle and I can't escape it. It has no beginning. It has no end. You know, and it's just I'm here. I'm there just here and I'm ne- I'm never leaving. What What is the average time? So Huck? the average time, actually, Jesse, you were pretty close. The average time is 
is 37 minutes. Wow. Oh, so not super long. Yeah. But but I see where y'all were. Chandler, you, you and, and Jamie, I, I see where y'all are coming from because there's a lot of variation within different traditions. Uh, Black Protestant, far and away the longest sermons, uh, almost a full hour, an average of 54 minutes in the Black Protestant oh, wow. tradition. But then you got the Catholic churches who have the homily. That's about 14 minutes long. So the okay. median, so it's a pretty big spread, which, which, uh, brings the median down quite a bit. Does that make sense? Uh, evangelicals sense. like are right in the middle, uh, at about 39 minutes. And then mainline Protestant keep it to about 25 minutes. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that is interesting. What was more interesting to me was some of the words, the words and phrases that pop up. They actually broke down unique words or sequences of words that are most distinctive of sermons in each religious tradition. Uh, so these are words that you hear a lot of in one tradition, uniquely more than you would hear in any other tradition. So, for example, uh, in the evangelical tradition, which is what I was raised in, most common unique phrase, <laughs> and this won't surprise anybody else raised in the evangelical tradition, eternal hell. Um, number two, lose salvation. Number three, trespass sin. Those sorts of uh, these, uh, these very uh, sort of uh, a critic would maybe say sort of fear based. Just, just what you want every Sunday. Just what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're having thoughts about how long this sermon is to remind what a sinner you are. I, I, I got loud and clear, Pastor. Yeah. Whereas yes, yes, yes. very different in the black Protestant tradition, uh, where the most common unique phrases over there, powerful hand, hallelujah, come neighbor, tell hand, praise, wow. uh, things like that, much more focused on, uh, on God's help and guidance and also, uh, community with each other. A really interesting distinction. Uh, mainline Protestant, <laughs> the most common unique phrase in the mainline Protestant tradition, United Methodist. I can't imagine why nobody else would want to talk about that. Uh, also words like house, gospel, lesson, disciple. Uh, and then in the Catholic tradition, uh, no surprise here either, homily, diocese, Eucharist, and parishioner. So uh, some of those make a lot of sense, but the distinction between the black Protestant and the evangelical traditions, especially I found to be yeah, really interesting. The, the evangelical talking so much about punishment. I, I, I mean, that is kind of surprising to me because I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just where I go to church at the moment. I don't feel, I don't hear a lot of sermons uh, about hell regularly. Is, is that your guys' experience that, that yeah, you I feel like either. you get a lot of teachings about that? But I will say growing up as a kid, when I heard a lot of, they could have had this in there. If you were to die tonight, if you were to die tonight, like yes. a lot yeah. of that uh -huh. at youth retreats, like if you were to die tonight and that was like, well, I don't know. What if I would? I just, I'm going to get saved again right here. I'm going to make it right. Make it right. But I, yeah. I, that's not like just that in safety. my church now. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's funny. I had my experience when I was a kid that not only if it was, if you were to die tonight and let me tell me if this is because I, I grew up in, in an area that has a lot of like fire and brimstone sort of Baptisty, you know, uh, leanings, you know, my particularly, yeah, I told this before, like I was going to say my, my little, uh, arm of the Bible belt, but I feel like the Bible belt is more of a Bible cummerbund. Like it's very thick, like in some areas, <laughs> like it seems like Bible belt. I don't, I've never understood the Bible belt. Cause it's like, well, I live in the Bible belt, but you're like, well, so technically I think I do too. Well, how big is this belt? Like this is, oh, maybe, that's beside the point, but like they would actually go into like, you know, I was preaching this sermon one night and two kids who, you know, they wanted to come forward, but they didn't. 
they died in a car accident. I had one. It was always a different. It was a lot of car accidents. I had one. I was at a, ba- a Christian basketball camp and they were actually after the sermon, two kids went canoeing and drowned in the lake. And it was like, are you just finding new ways to kill these kids after sermons to scare me? Like it was that graphic. They took that up a notch. I knew the method of death that they received and then they had to, you know, before to give me the opportunity to get saved. But yeah, it was the same kind of deal. It was like, uh, I can't hurt to raise my hand and go for it again. You know, like <laughs> that so, was yeah. me too. It's just extra insurance yeah. at some point. It's it's kind of like Kevin in Home Alone. He had already iced the sidewalks. You didn't need any more than that. It's already you protected your house, but then you had to get the iron ready. You had to put the nail and the stairs going up. Get the tarantula yeah. out. It, it just it, it's like you're, you're, it's not gonna. It doesn't hurt to be a little over prepared when it comes to and that, yeah. that. This is eternal salvation, not just a house. Yeah, I mean, who knows when I could be in a canoeing accident? That's exactly know? right. But Jesse, you didn't bring this up in Home Alone. Uh, President Trump is in Home Alone. Hey, Home Alone oh, too. Home too. Oh, He's Home in New York. Too? He is. Now I'm getting them confused. Where did where did his parents leave him in Home Alone too? Home Alone too is lost in New York. That is when he gets he boards the, he wrong, gets on the wrong flight. Plane. Yes, yeah. he yeah. They go to Florida. He goes to New York, which is just yeah. The tale is another the great parenting story right there. I, yeah, I will say this. After watching Home Alone 2, I had to have that talk boy. I mean, in hindsight, all it was was a little cassette recorder, you know, with that little microphone. But in Home Alone 2, you're like, well, why don't I have a talk boy? That thing seems necessary. It's protecting him from bad guys, you know? A hundred percent. Okay, I got you. Yes, Home Alone 2, lost in New York City. And, and okay, you know, you want some trivia about Donald Trump's uh, cameo in that film? Always. Yes. Okay, this come. I heard this in an interview with Matt Damon. So you you, you know if if it's false, you, you know it's 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 Matty D that 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 is spreading the lie. But he said that any time a movie, uh, because at the time there was a time when Donald Trump, the before he was you know the reality TV show star and the the president of the United States, you know he was a New York real estate developer and he owned the Plaza Hotel or had like a large ownership stake in the Plaza Hotel, and any film that wanted to include the Plaza Hotel in the movie at any point contractually had to have a Donald Trump cameo. So anytime there's a point in the nineties <laughs> where there was uh, uh, which let's be honest, seems to fit the personality profile of the man yeah. to demand some screen time. But um, I, I don't know why he would want attention. He does. It seem so out of character for, 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 for right. Donald J. But, but it was, it was contractually obligated that if you were filming at the Plaza hotel, that Donald Trump got a cameo. And that is why he is briefly seen in Home Alone 2. That's what Matt Damon said. I'm so sure that's a that is Home the Alone first place I ever heard Donald Trump's, or I, I'm sure I didn't even know who that was first when I saw Home Alone 2. I was a little kid. I remember that scene, yeah. obviously, but I yeah. didn't. Yeah. That's like a little wink at the parents. But I'm sure yeah. that was the first time yeah. I ever knew, like encountered his person was Home Alone 2. Yeah. Yeah. Or so. Little Giants. I believe there's also a cameo in Little Giants, which I also did like a lot. The Little Giants is another fantastic movie. <laughs> when he, was in little, he was in Little Rascals too. He was like the the villain kid's dad. Yes, uh-huh. he was. Oh, yeah. Which, Little Which Rascals, is, uh, perfect. What a oh man! What? Got him and also Reese <laughs> in that movie too. So there you go. <laughs> I, I'm going to do after this pod. I you guys are making me want to do a deep dive on the Donald Trump IMDb page <laughs> and just get all the cameos down. You know. Can't wait. Can't wait. That'll be a you thing. That, that is going to be on your personal time. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call up a bunch of my worship leader buddies. <laughs> and we're going to get in. <laughs> we're going to call up. 
<laughs> Call up my my worship fam, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a little Donald Trump uh, acting pod and just talk about our favorite performances. They'll be into it. They will be into it, and they can you relay know, it back to him every personally. time I say something. Every time I'm on the show with you guys, and I say something that I feel like, man, could that be taken the wrong way? Like this is in my brain. I don't know if you struggle with this, Jesse, but in my brain or Tyler, I go, Jamie, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not being me. I, I listen. I, 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 I. The last thing I want to do is denigrate worship leaders. <laughs> I, I, I think that a lot too. I think I should I probably should not say this, but I think I say it in love. Like I, we talked about that 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 viral uh. photo last week, and like I know a lot of people, as you guys probably do too, in that, in that photo. It's just too funny not to not to make the joke. No, yeah, exactly. I do apologize to the worship leaders mm-hmm. that I, we are, we are including all. Jamie, including you and her husband. <laughs> I do apologize if I if I cause offense. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I've never been invited to the White House, and I'm just mad about that. That's the reason. <laughs> I've had some interesting policy don't. ideas that I've emailed to them, and they have no interest in talking to me. So <laughs> that's what this stems from. All right. I think with that, we'll wrap it up for with that preemptive apology. We'll wrap it up for this week's slices. Stay with us when we come back. Lecrae joins us. Yeah, I ain't trying to throw no shade, but it's like jaws on slow mo. Good news, I can't tell where you at. Looking to the heavens, trying to yell where you at. Why pain gotta chain us? Will the unjust ever have to pay up? Yeah, yeah, joy comes if we wait up. Even came in the flesh long ago to obtain us. Gonna send him my way. On 10, cause he been in my gaze. Can't live like I'm still in my grave. Lays dim when I'm feeling blase. Now me and my squad just gonna feast on the bliss he brows. Why wait for the morrow? Joy came and he cowed us. Listening to Joy by Triply Abe Parker and today's guest, Lecrae, who's going to join us now. Lecrae is a part of 116's new deluxe edition of The Gift, a Christmas compilation. He's also joined by artists including Andy Minio, Derek Minor, Tadashi, Triply, Wande, and others for new takes on some Christmas classics. We recently spoke with Lecrae about the record, and while we had him on, we played a little Christmas game called For Whom the Jingle Bells Toll. Here is our conversation with Lecrae. First off, congrats. Like I, I love the album and, and the deluxe release. I feel like the, the new songs are such a killer addition. But I also feel like putting together a Christmas album is a lot of pressure because people have strong feelings about their Christmas music. How did you guys go about selecting songs that you wanted to include? Yeah, we just knew, you know, in order to do Christmas music well, you have to to do timeless. It's got to be classic. And then yeah. you, you start as classic music as a foundation and then you merge that with the current um you, you just you know it's always difficult to introduce something new so you have to have you know something that's never been done in terms of like using something as current as hip-hop is and something as classic and timeless as you know those christmas songs are and so we knew that if we had that sound bit of classic christmas sounds man you're gonna you know you're gonna you're gonna have something people enjoy yeah and what i what i love about the album too is like I feel like the hallmark of a great Christmas album is you can play in the background at like a Christmas party, uh, but you can also like put 
headphones in and listen to it and, and, and really kind of enjoy it. And that's what I feel like you guys nail. Like, so for like on a song like, uh, three, we three Kings, uh, which is kind of a fresh mm-hmm. take. How did you actually approach reinventing it? So it has that kind of like that, you know, hook, but also it's got, you know, the verses are really kind of intricate and, and, and thoughtful. How did you go about, uh, you know, tackling a song like that? Um, I mean, you want to capture the sentiment, obviously. So first and foremost, um, when you have, again, like a live instrumentation, it creates a timeless classic music bed, and then you approach it lyrically, um, you just want to capture the sentiment. And the sentiment is, you know, imagining the, those three kings going to see, you know, Jesus in a manger for the first time and just capturing that sentiment that everyone uh, wants to sit and be amazed by and just like, wow. And I think if you can put someone in that place in a story, it doesn't, you know, genre of movie doesn't make a difference as long as that story is amazing. And so uh, that's what we wanted to do really well was, was capture the story well and, and just talk about it from that vantage point of what we were seeing and how it was changing us. I, th- this is a random question, but I always wonder when people were, rec- I talked to uh, Phil Wickham a while ago and he recorded it. He released early released a, a Christmas album and he recorded it in the summer. And I remember talking to Lauren Dangle when she recorded some uh, Christmas songs and she recorded in the summer too. And they like decked out the studio with like Christmas gear to get him in the mood. When did you guys actually record the songs? Uh, and was it hard to, you know, kind of be Christmassy outside of the Christmas season? That's so funny because uh, we we definitely were not in the Christmas season. Uh, it was actually uh, summer and spring as well, and uh, and we did the exact same thing. I mean, we decked out the studio. We had, we got artificial snow in there. We had um, you know uh, Christmas music playing around the clock, and they just had to put you in that that mindset and that in that spirit of of of, you know, being with family. And I think we had, uh, uh, like a, a Yule log fire on, on the TV <laughs> screen burning at all times, whatever it took to get you in that mindset, uh, to remember what Christmas, you know, with your family feels like. Did you drop the AC way down and get that? Uh, cause you got, <laughs> cause it's hard. That's the hard thing for me is like, man, it can't be Christmas when it's hot. We didn't go that far. We didn't, we didn't go that far. We didn't want people hating to come in every time to record because it was freezing cold. So it's not that torture. <laughs> well, dude, I want to talk about uh, joy too, because uh, so like, obviously like joy to the world is like this. It's like this proclamation and it's sort of like this kind of holy proclamation. And, but your guys's song, your guys's take on it has such like kind of this, like, it's got this vibe to it, but it really captures the idea. It's, it is like just joyful to listen to. Can you deconstruct a little bit about putting together joy? Because it not only does it kind of capture, like I said, that proclamation, it feels joyful to listen to. Yeah. You know, a special song um, with a Parker who's, you know, he's just a phenomenal artist and singer writer and then, of course, um, you know, Triple who we've collaborated with for years. But, um, you know, putting that song together was um, I kind of let Abe and, and Trip kind of take the precedence because if I'm being 100 percent honest, you know, I was in a dark space uh, spiritually and emotionally at that time. And so it was difficult for me um, to, to try to approach that song authentically uh, because mm-hmm. I was I was wrestling for joy. And so that's why even in the song, when you hear me 
you know, my, my verses, um, it's me saying I'm believing in spite of, you know, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm hoping and I'm, and my joy is not predicated on circumstance. And, uh, and I just had to remind myself of the, the little things, you know, uh, yeah. you know, my little girl, um, and, and, and the King loving me more than I deserve, um, you know, and, and, and people from environments who are bringing good news, uh, where there's not a lot of good news. And so, um, it was, it was actually very special and, and it was uniquely uplifting to me in the moment to write that song and to yeah. speak about, you know, the joy that I was uh, supposed to be experiencing, um, because I wasn't in a, in, in a, in a very, uh, in a great space at the time. That, that that's really interesting and probably really hard as an artist too to write about something that you're not experiencing in the moment and you're struggling for. Did the process of writing the song what was that a factor and maybe kind of and maybe not lifting you out of the place where you were in, but did it did it help to kind of reflect on the things that were talked about in the song and, and kind of on a personal level? It absolutely did, and it's funny. It not only did that during that time period, but it did it, it still does it for me when I listen back to that song. Mm. And so when I go back and listen, because it's coming from such a real place and it's not just some frivolous lines about joy to the world, you know, it's really like, man, this is the only source of joy I currently have right now. Um, mm. and, and that was, it was hopeful for me because if nothing else is going right, you know, I know, uh, the King has come, you know what I mean? And I know that, that this yeah, life yeah. that I'm living now is not the, the end all be all and, and, and you know, uh, better is coming and, and I can expect better now and I can expect better later, but, um, but because of that joy. So it, even to this day, it still uh, lifts my spirits. That, that's interesting because it's done sort of the same thing. Uh, I think this time of year, especially people say a lot of things that can come across as kind of corny, and gee, about Christmas time, like joy to the world and peace on earth and things that they either sound kind of silly or they are kind of silly because you look around, you don't necessarily see a lot of joy and peace in the world. So having songs like that really do help for people like me listening to them take those things from just being sentiments to feeling like a real reminder, like a real reality. Uh, I think joy, the song, you, it really pulled that off in a, in a unique way. Like, right, I appreciate the song. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I definitely wanted to articulate that. And, you know, there's a line when I say, uh, for the, for the, the dark times and the, the dark nights, you know, God's going to bring us through and And because it was dark times and dark nights in it. So it's reminding myself that, um, in this time period, because, you know, the holidays can be dark for a lot of people. You lost yeah. loved ones sure. and you're, you're home reminiscing on the people who aren't there. Some people are divorced and this is their first Christmas and, you know, divorced away from family. And so there's just these, these moments of like reality that hit. And, uh, I think that the, the, the music, I wanted to speak to that kind of reality and, 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 and encourage people and, and give them some hope in the midst of it. Yeah. I, cool. I you know, the, the deluxe album, it, ha it has a couple new tracks on it. And one of them, you know, when I listened to, it really struck me, uh, nothing but you, because, you know, the song addresses consumerism and our tendency mm -hmm. to kind of make Christmas about, you know, stuff. And that's, you know, for putting that, putting that song and, you know, on a mix of kind of these classic Christmas songs, I feel like it was, it's pretty bold and takes some intentionality. Tell me about the choice to include nothing but you and, you know, a song that really kind of challenges 
these people during the season to make it more than just about stuff. Yeah, I think that's the beautiful thing about music. You know, music can sing you, a, you know, lullabies, even like Rockabye Baby is like really this dark <laughs> kind of twisted thing. Like, man, and when the yeah. bow breaks, the cradle will fall and down will come baby cradle. And all. It's like, whoa, yeah. but you sing it because it just feels good. And it and it gets into your, you know, your subconscious. And I think that's part of it is a song like Nothing On You. It, it's so sweet and it sounds so precious and beautiful. But then there's there's the subconscious message that is getting through is that, you know, none of these, these material things compare and, and, and we need to, you know, kind of think through what we really believe about this time period in this season and, and what we really believe is um, what does it mean? You know, what does it all mean? Is it just about, you know, buying gifts or is it, you know, or is it about getting something um, or is it about the greatest gift that's ever you know, been known to man uh, coming to earth. And so uh, that's what I love about it. I love, I've always loved that about um, music is how you can get these so many things into the subconscious and it, it just goes unnoticed, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's so funny and it's interesting to me. Well, Lecrae, man, I congrats on the album. Congrats on, on these songs. Cause I, I really do feel like it's a unique Christmas album. I, I mean, it stands out. There's, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of Christmas albums out there, but man, you guys put a fresh twist on, on these classic songs and really, I think, uh, yeah, you, you, like you were saying, man, you, you reimagine them and keep kind of the core, but, mm-hmm. but keep them fresh, man. It's a big accomplishment. No, we, we waited forever. We've been wanting to do it for years, but we, we, that's one project you don't want to mess up. It has to be right. Yeah. And we were really, really sticklers on getting it right. So we wanted to make something timeless. And the goal was to be able to produce something that people will play, uh, you know, for, for decades. And I think uh, we accomplished it. Well, I want to, I want to transition here because uh, we, we, we've prepared something since you've been in this, uh, you know, Christmas album headspace for a while, we figured it might be good to Mm -hmm. test your knowledge against our own Tyler Huckabee's knowledge about some, some Christmas classics (laughs) and a couple albums that didn't come out so well over the years. So, uh, (laughs) so here's how it works. I will, I'll, Carrie, I'll start with you. You each get four questions. Chandler in the studio will be keeping score and uh, uh, we'll see who who has the the best Christmas music knowledge in a game we're calling for whom the jingle bells toll. All right, look right here <laughs> oh, is boy. question number one. You're a musician. Uh, uh, you're you've been you're an artist. You've been in this industry a long time. So maybe you'll have some inside knowledge. PNC, uh, the financial institution, recently calculated the cost of everything on the 12 days of Christmas list. Now, some of these are things that an artist might, uh, you know, be interested in, in purchasing or so which would cost more the, the in 2019 and i'm assuming it's to like rent for like a session the 11 pipers piping the 12 drummers drumming the 10 lords of leaping like if you needed you know ballet dancers for some reason or nine da- ladies dancing i'm assuming that's like a dance crew like nine ladies dancing which would cost more in 2019 oh man um I'm I am in the dark on the pipers piping, so that that seems like I, I don't know. It just seems like such a unique skill set. Um, drummers drumming. I mean, I mean, I definitely feel like I could go find some some high school drummers to come alongside. But the pipers, I just the, the equipment sounds kind of crazy. I'm gonna go with the pipers piping being most expensive. 
actually, uh, surprisingly, for some reason, according to PNC, the Piper's piping are the are the cheapest, coming in at twenty seven hundred dollars. Wow! The, Lord, the Lords, of, the ten Lords of Leaping, ten <laughs> professional ballet dancers are going to set you back ten thousand uh, dollars this year. I should have guessed. Well, that. they're Lords. They're busy. They're, they're the one percent. They're the elite. You know, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you want them to show up, you got to pay up. I guess. All right, Tyler. Let's see. Right. Uh, let's, let's test your dog. I'm ready. In 2009, a legendary musician baffled fans and critics by releasing an album called Christmas in the Heart, which included unpolished and occasionally polka-inspired Christmas tunes. Who is that classic artist? I think I actually know this one off the dome. Is it Bob Dylan? It is Bob Dylan, oh, and it wow. is a weird, weird it's album. Wild. I can't tell if Bob <laughs> Dylan's just messing with people at this it point. It felt like a know? troll okay, move. It definitely felt like a troll, but yeah, uh, I agree. I'm not sure it was sincere or not. <laughs> If it had Piper's piping in that album, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> All right, look, Craig. Which, which one of the following is not an actual Christmas album? Uh, or I'm sorry, which one of the following is an actual Christmas album? So three of these are not. One of them is real. Is it the Baja Men? Okay. Who let the reindeer out? Is it? <laughs> is it Kiss Saves Christmas? Is it Metallica for whom the Carol of the Bells toll or Snoop Dogg presents Christmas in the doghouse? One of those is real. Which one do you think is the actual Christmas album? That's really hard. Uh, I'm going to go with Snoop Dogg, Christmas in the doghouse. I, I really hope it's not the Baja Men because I would be, that's just, that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. Snoop Dogg has a okay. Christmas album, and I listened to it this morning just because I was curious, and it's actually pretty good. It's, you know, it's weird. I don't know. I'd play it at the Christmas party, but hey, good for Snoop Dogg. Yeah. No, I've heard it. I, it, it you know, it somehow found its way into my shuffle, my Christmas shuffle, and I had the kids in the car. I was like, wait a minute. I don't know if this is a problem. Right? I don't know what, what, kind of, what kind of chimneys Uncle Snoop was talking about. On this album. Yeah, I don't know if it's safe for little ears, the, the Snoop Dogg. It's, that's the After Dark Christmas album. Yeah. All right, one All right. on one. All right, Tyler, which 90s TV star released their own Christmas album in 2004 called The Night Before Christmas that features some heavy sax solos? <laughs> Is it the Olsen twins, Alfonso Ribeiro, David Hasselhoff or Suzanne Somers? Man, it could really be any of them. Sax solos makes me think I'm going to go with Suzanne Somers. I'm sorry. It's the Hoff, man. Oh, David Hasselhoff. That was my next guess. <laughs> David Hasselhoff on the sax. <laughs> I'm ashamed. I want to see the Hasselhoff Snoop Dogg Christmas collaboration. Yeah. That's what the people yeah, want. Come together. <laughs> on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Lecrae. Which artist has the most popular Christmas album according to the Nielsen charts? Here are your choices. Uh, Josh Groban, Nat King Cole, Kenny G, or Mariah Carey? Which one has sold the most Christmas oh albums? Oh, my gosh. That's uh -huh. difficult. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something I want to say is between Kenny G and Mariah. Uh, let's go, Mariah. Oh, man. It was Kenny G. People love oh, that man. sax at Christmas. Kenny G, I should have went with my gut. Kenny would have been my. I would have put him last. I would have thought he would be the sold the yeah. lead of all of those. I thought Mariah Carey. Oh, in my mind, Mariah. But she's only got one song. 
That's not a whole lot. She's only got the no, one that, song. Yeah. Dude, that whole album slaps, man. You can play that front <laughs> to back, and it, Mariah brings it the whole time. Yeah, it's true. How, da- how dare you, Tom? Yeah, it's, like, it's my <laughs> wife's favorite Christmas album, so I just assumed. Oh, really? I was like, but I know Kenny G. Kenny G is, I mean, come on, you just got off the, the David, Hassel, David Hasselhoff train with the second ball. <laughs> Somebody has to beat the wrong ass. <laughs> Oh, man, that's crazy. crazy. It came out so strong, and now I'm I'm, I'm botching. I've, I've whiffed all these. All right, I'm ready. Turn it right, around, Tyler. Christmas miracle. Wh- okay, which legendary R&B singer performed the theme song to the movie Christmas Vacation? Okay, now you guys remember? Hey. It has that animated intro where like mm-hmm. Clark is you know uh, mm-hmm. hanging Christmas lights. Is it uh, uh, Diana Ross, Tina Turner, Mavis Staples, or Whitney Houston? The theme song to Christmas Vacation. Uh, I don't think it. I don't think it's Mavis. I don't think it's Whitney. Same again. Mavis Staples, Diana Ross, Whitney Houston, or Tina Turner. Is it Diana? Is it Diana? Diana Ross. It is Mavis Staples coming in through with a Christmas classic. All right, we're still tied. You're you're mopping the floor with me, man. Uh, All right, Lecrae, you can you can run away with this game right here with this one. I think that we only have two questions left, and I think I think you can seal the victory if you get this one right. Okay, only one of the following Christmas albums is fake. So uh, uh, the other ones are real. Which one of these is the fake Christmas album? Is it Christmas with Colonel Sanders, (laughs) Hung for the Holidays, (laughs) a William Hung Christmas album, Smooth Sailing Santa, a Yacht Rock Christmas collection, or it's a Waffle House Christmas? Believe it or not, only one of those is fake. Which one do you think it is, LeGray? It's got to be. It's, it's, oh, gosh. I'm going with Christmas with Colonel Sanders. I just don't want there to be a KFC Christmas album. <laughs> I'm sorry. There is a KFC Christmas album. The correct oh answer gosh. is Smooth Sail and a yacht, yeah. yacht, yacht Rock Christmas collection. There should be a Yacht Rock Christmas collection, but I couldn't find one. Wow. I'm going to go listen to this KFC Christmas album after this. <laughs> and then put on the Hoff and roll back that Snoop album one more time. Really? The deep cuts. Man. All right, Tyler, Lecrae won the game, but I'll let you, I'll let you, you know, get one last shot at least to uh, try to redeem yourself, even yeah, though you've clearly okay. lost the game and humiliated yourself here. I'm, I'm man enough to admit it. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, speaking of Yacht Rock, which Yacht Rock legend once released a song called Christmas on the Bayou? <laughs> a real song by a Yacht Rock legend. Is it Holodos, Christopher Cross, uh, Michael McDonald or Kenny Loggins with Christmas on the Bayou. Oh man, I could buy any of them. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that's that's a Michael McDonald joint. You are right. <laughs> you are right. It's Michael McDonald, the king of the rock. That was a pretty good impression too, if I if I might add. <laughs> well, Lecrae, dude, we appreciate you coming on, man, and and indulging us in this game. Congrats on your victory. Oh man, I appreciate it. I'm. Uh, I've, if anything, I won because I now know there's a KFC Colonel Sanders Christmas album. <laughs> so that's all I need. Look, Craig, before we let you go, I know you're a big NBA fan. We're 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 deep into December. Do you have a prediction uh, for the team coming out? What, what's your prediction for the team coming out of the East and the West that we can expect in the championship last year? I got to ask since you're such a big um, NBA. It's it's ugly, man. Now now, there's my personal dis- my my personal desires are not um they're they're not wise 
predictions. <laughs> so let me just, my personal desires for the East and the West are the Atlanta Hawks and the Golden State Warriors. That's my personal okay. desires. Okay. What I believe is going to happen is going to be the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Lakers. That's what I okay. believe is going to happen. So yeah. that's, that's my prediction. I don't know unless unless the uh, you know uh, Steph and Clay miraculously come back. I don't know Golden State, but hey, Trey Young could get hot. You know he get hot down the stretch. I, I you know he could. So. He could. Hey, I, I like the young guys over there, man. So we're we're hoping. We're yeah, hoping and we're yeah, it's a fun team. Uh, well, Lecrae, dude, thanks again for for uh, uh, taking part in the in the game and talking about the album. And uh, dude, it's always great talking with you, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Look forward to talking to y'all again in the future. Blessings and Merry Christmas. All right. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, man. Talk to you later. Enjoy that. Enjoy that KFC Christmas album. <laughs> it's, it's happening. I'm spinning it right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk right to you later. All right. I think, Jesse, you and I got a little carried away at the tail end of that game there. Uh, Chandler did some, he's, he squeezed the numbers there at the end of the podcast while we were talking to Lecrae. Uh, did we, did I actually come out on top there at the Jamie, end? Here, Jamie, he, here's the thing. J- Jamie, here's the thing. I wrote the game. I hosted, I came up with the questions. Chandler had one job and that was to keep score. And somehow he led our guest Lecrae to believe that he won. And uh, it's a big debacle. And I was going to give the winner a cyber truck, a new Tesla cyber truck. And, you know, now I'm afraid both of them have forfeited. I'm sorry, Lecrae. Uh, I think the outcome of that game is we all lost. Everyone lost. Well, except for me. Including you, listener. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's my apologies. So this is this is this is humiliating. This is, this is so. Extremely embarrassing, Chandler. Thank you for keeping an eye on my victory. I I uh, couldn't no even problem. tell. He had so much confidence in his Christmas knowledge. I, listen, he made me feel I was, like a loser. Listen, listen. They, Jamie. I know. I had talked to you earlier about sending the winner a framed copy of Austin Woman magazine. That's off the table. Yes. Do not send them. <laughs> Put another one up at a at a Binnigan's in town there, and hopefully Matthew McConaughey sees it. This will be great. Lecrae, be great. I'm Tyler, sure that's, that's off the table. Now. I'm sure Matthew McConaughey will definitely see the framed picture at Binnigan's here in Austin. So that works out well for me. <laughs> I, <would. laughs> I know for a fact he goes in daily for a Monte Cristo, the fried <laughs> ham sandwich that you dip in jelly and sprinkle with powdered sugar. That seems like a McConaughey. That's thing. a McConaughey. I'm sure. Yeah. And then he just yeah. melts off, melts off his abs. Uh, well thank you Jesse for putting that game together anyway it was not Jamie I do have one blunder past all point of repair and not to not to go back but how many how many episodes of the happy hour have you recorded over maybe 300 300 ish 300 okay have you I, I my mind just going from our conversation earlier have you ever and you don't have to say specifically what it was but did you ever say anything on the happy hour that you know in the days following and after it was released you're like yeah i wish i could i wish i could mulligan that do you have any of those moments through the years uh yes but i have somebody that will take that out so i never have to think about it it's always like she sends me an email it's like hey we can't put that in what you said so i'm going to take this out so no i don't think i've ever had anything air we run a tight ship around here. Like I can't mm. be having bad stuff I say out in public. So, you know, like it'll be edited out. Yeah. Well, the problem is we have that too, but it's Chandler and he <laughs> has a very low bar for what is offensive. <laughs> and Chandler has allowed me to say terrible things <laughs> and offend a lot of people. So who edits yours, Jamie? 
<laughs> I said, who is this person that's editing yours? Because, uh, you know, I think I could use a safety net sometimes. <laughs> One of my favorite stories about you, Jesse, I think I was in Orlando actually on the show and you went off. It was so hilarious. Okay. I won't say okay. who because y'all had to cut it out, but you went off and off and off and off and off. And then um, they were like, hey, like we can't put this up because it was an email from a spot. Like it was so funny. Oh, that's and right. I, I don't want to give anything away here, but it was so funny. And then none of it got to air. I forgot about that. That was all in the cutting room. That was like a 10 minute diatribe that we had to leave on the cutting room floor. Listen, one time I did, I won't, I'm not going to name who because it's not important now, but I did a whole riff on, on, it, it was like, I would just say this. It was an institution in the Christian media industry. And it, I, it was fun. Like it wasn't mean spirited. It was just funny. It was just, you know, goofing. And I, and the podcast went out. I got an email. <laughs> I got an email from our sales department that said, it basically said, thanks a lot. That cost us a huge deal we were working on. And I was like, oh, well, listen. <laughs> uh, if they don't have a sense of humor, I didn't want to work. <laughs> they weren't the right anyway. partner anyway. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah, funny. So it's not the first time. Not the first. Who among us hasn't done, made catastrophic business mistakes <laughs> by saying something completely stupid and pointless on a podcast? Who among us? Who among so, us? Anyway. Well, I think with that, we better wrap it up pretty soon here before we lose any more accounts. Hey, many thanks to Lecrae for joining us for playing a fair gentleman's game of Christmas trivia. Uh, the Gift, a Christmas compilation, is out now. I encourage you to pick it all up. Also, Jamie, it's always so good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, thanks Jamie. It's always fun to be with you guys thanks for having me of course yeah absolutely and we're looking forward to the to uh the the new pod coming I, i'm seriously i can't wait to hear it it's, well, I, thank it's, you. it's such a cool premise thanks so much you can if you want to keep up on all that too uh you can follow jamie on instagram at jamie ivy that's j-a-m-i-e i-v-e-y stay up to date on everything she's doing through 2020 and uh, hey, while you're on the Apple Podcast page, maybe give a subscription to Relevant Daily. That's where I bring you the top three stories of the day at the intersection of faith and culture. I always look forward to seeing some subscribers on there and leave us a review as well. And with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Tim Strange. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time. For listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe Because I will like the king of Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.